So for today's homily, I want you to put your thinking cap on. You're gonna, this is going to be making you think today. This is not emotional homily. This is a thinking homily, something that's deep, a, a very deep truth, and it has to deal with the first reading from the Old Testament today. So I want you to put your thinking cap on if you're watching this later through live stream, get a cup of coffee. So, because what I'm going to say, this is very significant. It's very significant for today. It's very significant about the priesthood, specifically about the priesthood, what a priest is, who a priest is, what a priest does, especially at Mass. So this is taken from a commentary. I'm going to read you this, so bear with me, because interpreting it, I, I, I felt like, nah, some, some things you have to read to get the full flavor of it. So this is an article from Homiletic and Pastoral Review, if you want to look it up, November of 2007. I've kept this article all this time because it's one of the greatest articles I've ever read in my entire life, my entire seminary, my entire priesthood. It's called The Male Priesthood Wearing the Jewels of the Bride by Helen Rutner Dietz, who's a theologian, a scholar. So I'd like to read to you interpreting this first passage from the Old Testament, in which Abraham, he greets three visitors. Okay, three visitors come to him. And Abraham goes to Sarah, and he prepares bread, and he gives bread, and he gives meat to the three visitors. He, he really intercedes. He, he's doing a priestly role, if you, if you don't see this. What Abraham's doing is a priestly role. So I'd like to interpret for you a deeper meaning of this role that Abraham does. So first we're going to set a, a context, a Semitic context, right here in this article. As the distributor of bread at the Last Supper, Jesus, and likewise the priest, who in the Eucharist follows the example of Jesus, does that which is both, which in both Judaism and other diverse cultures around the world is associated with the role of women. In the Hebrew scriptures, the example comes to mind of the widow of Zarephath, who out of her destitution gave a small cake of bread to the famished prophet Elijah. The role of woman as bread giver, it is easy to see, is simply an extension of her natural role as the feeder of infants with the milk of her own body. When her child is weaned, she continues to feed him no longer with her milk, but with bread. And her bread giving extends to others, even sometimes to those outside her family, who become, as it were, her children. Then the article goes on. This primitive association between women and bread is universal. We find that the English word lady is derived from the Anglo-Saxon word, I don't know how to pronounce this, it's H-L-A-E-F-D-I-G-E, fide, which means loaf kneader. So lady actually means loaf kneader in Anglo-Saxon. While the Eastern European word for festive bread, babka, is derived from the old Slavonic word for woman. Among the Indians of the New World, mice, 
and as corn, was raised and prepared by women. The commercial male baker arrives late on the scene. And now we go into the scripture. When therefore in Genesis 18:16 we find Abraham offering Sarah's freshly baked bread to the Lord, who had manifested himself at the Oaks of Mamre in the form of three men, we are to understand that a peculiarly Semitic marital role reversal is taking place. Abraham's bread giving is not the ordinary hospitality offered to visitors, but a ritual and religious act directed to a deity. Although initially unrecognized by Abraham, the deity who manifested himself at the Oaks of Mamre is the Semitic bridegroom, God, to whom Abraham as the priestly head of his tribe relates in a bride-like manner, even to the extent of appropriating the usual feminine role of Sarah as bread giver. And the culture to which Abraham belonged, strangers were regularly entertained in this fashion, lest they prove to be a deity harmful to the woman of the household. It goes on. By appropriating her role as bread giver, Abraham in priestly fashion is shielding Sarah from a potentially dangerous encounter with the living God. In God's hands is the power of life and death. In the ancient world, it was obvious that because of the risks associated with childbearing, women as a group were more vulnerable to untimely death at the hands of the living God. What matter that Sarah was barren and past her prime? She still belonged to the half of the human race more vulnerable to premature death, immune by his masculinity from the physical risks which accompany childbearing, Abraham substitutes himself for Sarah. It is apparent that God himself desires this behavior from Abraham. For although God makes it known that he is aware that Sarah is hiding behind the door of the tent, he does not demand to see her. He instead accepts the bread from Abraham. He goes along with Abraham's transparent subterfuge. Do you understand that? What Abraham is doing? So he's acting in a priestly role. He's offering bread to these three visitors who he sees as representatives of God. But he's protecting his wife, Sarah. He's assuming an ancient feminine role of bread giving that Sarah should be doing, but Abraham is doing in order to protect Sarah, his wife. Really interesting. So there's role reversal here. So the masculine is assuming a feminine role here. It's interesting because we have that a lot in our society today. So now, second part. Today, thousands of years later, the male Christian priest still engages in the same Abrahamic type of bread giving, marital role reversal, when on behalf of the church, he offers the Eucharistic bread of the Lord. The priest afterward serves the consecrated Eucharistic bread and Abrahamic fashion 
to the members of his congregation who approach the chancel. And so serving his congregation, the priest is understood to be acting in the person of Christ, that's in persona Christi Capitis, who at the Last Supper first offered himself to the Father in the form of blessed bread, then broke that same blessed bread and distributed it to the apostles. At the Last Supper, Jesus thus used the age-old rituals of his own people to explain his redemptive mission that above all consisted of his sacrificial substitution of himself for the bread who is the church. So every time we come to mass, the male priest is in a way assuming a feminine role, but not as feminine, but, but both a masculine and a feminine role of the whole person of Christ, of offering bread, of really standing and the, as the person of Christ between the Father, the Heavenly Father, and the church, the bride, the feminine bride. And this is why a priest can only be a male, because he stands before his bride, ready to sacrifice himself on the altar, what we call the altar. As a priest sacrificed with the bread, offering himself with the bread to the eternal Father on behalf of the church. Now, there, there's more to this, a third part. I'm not going to read to you the whole article. The whole article is phenomenal, if you want to read it. That, that's why I gave you the, um, the article and where it's at. So third, significantly, in the historic Roman rite, the bishop wears the mitre and skullcap of the bridegroom during the liturgy of the word, which begins with the epistle. So you know the, the skull cap that a bishop wears, and then he wears a mitre. But he only wears this during the liturgy of the word. Because this precious mitre, encrusted as it was with gold and gems, sometimes weighed as much as five and a half pounds, the bishop early on was granted permission to wear the skull cap alone when he stood to read the gospel. He immediately donned the mitre again, however, when he sat to preach. To this day, however, he removes his bridegroomly mitre and skullcap upon beginning the liturgy of the Eucharist, at which point he takes on the persona of the bride, who is the praying church. In the Christian liturgy, the priest, as we noted earlier, acts in persona Christi and the person of Christ. The priest, however, acts not simply in the person of Christ the bridegroom, but in the person of the totus Christus, the whole Christ, who is bride as well as bridegroom, member as well as head of the church. In short, the priest is the bridegroom who, in a mysterious way, takes on the identity of the bride and the Eucharistic rite. In so doing, the priest acts in the person of Christ, who is the surrogate for the bride and her vulnerability to death. Thus, in the person of Christ, the priest wears the jewels of the bride, 
Through his priest, Christ causes his once and for all sacrifice on Calvary to become present to the waiting congregation. By this time, by this same sacrifice, the bride who is the church is enabled to continue to live and to be fruitful from the sacrifice that the priest offers. So he offers the blood sacrifice to give life to the church. Jesus, we are told in scripture, did not hold his divinity as something to be grasped at, nor therefore does the male Christian priest hold his priestly character as bridegroom as something to be grasped at. Rather, acting in the person of Christ, he empties himself of the prerogatives of the bridegroom in order to assume the voice of the bride. Just as Christ held his divine prerogatives and checked from the moment he became incarnate, so too does the male priest hold his prerogatives as bridegroom and check as he begins the Eucharistic portion of the liturgy. He no longer preaches, but prays. Isn't that deep? I told you you need a coffee for this homily. This is deep. So this is role reversal, kind of like what you're seeing today in our society, role reversal. But this role reversal happens at every Eucharist. It happened with Abraham, where he does this role reversal, where he's given bread. He's assuming the role of the bride. But in a way, he's coming between God and the bride in order to give his life. And God accepts the sacrifice. And so what does a priest do at every mass? He comes up here and he offers himself as a sacrifice for you. He offers God the bread, the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of Jesus Christ. And assuming the male priestly role for his bride, the church, in order that the church may not have death, but may have life through the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. And you see this, uh, uh, I like to end with this. So there's more in here. There's more in here. This would be a great uh, Saturday talk, 11 a.m. talk that maybe I could do one day. But, but you see this, and you see this kind of role reversal sometimes in icons. So one thing that you'll see in an icon is where Christ in an icon where he points to his heart and he points with two fingers to his heart, okay? And Christ at that point when he points two fingers to his heart, he's in a way doing a feminine role. What's the feminine role that he's doing? It's, it would be a a woman who nurses her child at her breast. So that, that nurturing of a child at her breast is Christ and an icon when he's doing that. In a way, he's assuming a feminine role in order for us to be nursed at his breast from his sacred heart, his blood, and his water. So whenever you see these two fingers, because that's what a woman does when she breastfeeds, which was very common and ancient culture up until the 12th century that all women breastfed their children. It's only modern society that we have bottles. But actually breastfeeding was, was very, very common, especially in Judaic culture. And so when a woman breastfed, she would take her two fingers and she would allow the child 
to breastfeed at her breast. So when Christ does that, he's inviting us to feed from his body and blood in a way he's assuming a feminine role. If you look at the divine mercy image, look at Christ's left hand. What do you see? Two fingers at his breast. So it's interesting because in the divine mercy image, what Christ is doing is he's assuming both the masculine role of the priest because he's wearing the robes of the high priest, and he's assuming a feminine role by the two fingers at his breast, wanting to feed us with his body and blood, but really wanting to feed us to intercede for the church as the priest does at Mass, where he's offering himself to the Father on our behalf in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. And that's why when we come to feed at the breast of Christ, like a child, that we're nourished, that we're given life, we're not given death, that we're nourished at his breast, that Christ feeds us with his body, blood, soul, and divinity at his breast, like a woman feeding her child. Isn't that great? So put your thinking cap on. If you're watching this, rewind it. Say, what did you just say? You know, put closed caption on there, because I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> I'm like, whoop, that was, that was deep, Father Anthony. Can I repeat that? You know, repeat that. Because you know, sometimes I need to listen to myself. What am I just saying? But I know it's deep. I know it's deep, and I know it's great. I know that God wants to give you this. The Holy Spirit wants to give you this. About the role of the priest. That's why never judge your priest. Never judge your priest. Always pray for your priest. Don't complain about your priest. Don't gossip about your priest. Priests are weak men. They need your prayers. But that priest who's getting up there, your parish priest, he's interceding for you. He's given his life for you at the altar. That's why you have to pray for him because he's the one who's given you the life-giving bread from heaven in order that you may not die but have life and have eternal life on high. So all this is from the first reading. Isn't that great? So there's much more to the readings, much more to God than we could ever expect or imagine that the Lord is good, he is good, his mercy endures forever. Receive from him the life-giving bread from heaven that he gives you at every single Eucharist. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. 
simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.